Podcast, the place to tune into if you're hungry for more footy content. Episode 10 this week, we've hit double digits, boys. Also coming into the minor round of the AFL season. How are we, boys? Uh, Yeah, good. I'll tell you what I've had enough of, and that is the Alistair Clarkson talk. I, I did care where he went earlier, but now I couldn't care less. Like, just get it done so we can all move on with our lives. Well, Rick had an interesting working theory just before the podcast on that. Yeah, we'll get into that. We're going to talk about Alistair Clarkson anyway, um, just while we have you here. Sorry for the late podcast this week. Um, had a bit of a busy week as a collective group, but we're here now ready to record and we've got some good content for everyone. All right, Craig, over to you. You're going to finish us off with the Tassie Timbers this week. Yep, we are ready to finish them off. We've gone through all the players week by week and now I have the finished lineup and who is going to be the coach. So we'll start from the back line. We'll try and just roll through it because you've heard all these names. we got Isaac Quainer, Alex Pierce, who is the captain, and Jake Kolodashny on the back line. Isaac Cumming, Harris Andrews, and Callum Wilkie across half back. Very strong line. Nick Cox, Matthew Kennedy, Taron Thomas, the Tasmanian in the wing. Toby Nankervis will be your ruck with Braden Campbell and Zach Butters in the middle. Vice-captain Zach Butters. He got elevated early. Josh Rochelle... Jamara, Hugo Hagen, and Blake Hardwick in the forward line. Blake Hardwick plays a bit of everywhere, but he'll bring a bit of the tackling pressure up there. Charlie Spargo, Oscar Allen, and Mac Andrew up forward. And our uh, new NAB draft member, Lachlan Cowan, to come in off the bench. It's only a first 19, but that's a good start. Um, the coach I had penciled in, Alistair Clarkson, but he looks like he is not going to do two years at North and then head over to Tasmania. So... We've had to come up with something a little left field. Um, I'm going for a combination of Nick and Jack Rewalt as the new coaches of the Tasmanian Timbers. This is revolutionary. Um, we're going to have dual coaches, and I think between them, uh, they'll bring a lot to the table. So I think, yeah, fuck it, new team. They need some Tasmanians like at the helm, and I reckon that'd be good fun anyway. Yeah, not bad. Not a uh, big fan of that, actually. Yes, Tasmanian Timbers. So uh, that wraps them up. Um, it's been a good segment for the last 10 weeks. I've enjoyed doing it. Yeah, well, as, if, as if we've been doing this podcast for 10 weeks. Yeah, I've managed to talk about Tasmania for 10 weeks now, but um, I'm ready to move on to something new. So I'll have a new segment later, which I'm excited about. If you're more of a visual person, just check out the Instagram. The whole team will be posted there tonight. Yeah, have a look on Instagram. There's plenty of polls. Rick's been pretty hot with the uh, with the social media, so get some answers in and get some uh, get some questions to us. Now I know uh, Craig just said he's over it, but we're going to talk about it quickly. Alistair Clarkson is he going to end up at North Melbourne or the Bombers? Uh, it's in North Melbourne for me. I think that he's got to do his due, due diligence and have a look at the Essendon list. Um, I think North Melbourne have a better list, to be honest. And I think a five-year contract security, I mean, you could probably put a 10-year contract in front of him, to be honest, because there's that much hype around Especially him. Especially now I think that, that he's not going to be coaching the Timbers. Well, that's correct. Now he's not coaching the Timbers. So throw 10 years in front of him at North Melbourne, give him the keys to the car, and go nuts. I think, I mean, I just don't like Essendon full stop. So, yeah, I couldn't care less what happens to them. And I think it'd be hilarious if they didn't get Alistair Clarkson. But that's just from a biased Collingwood supporter on that note. Now, do you want to hear an interesting theory that I've come up with? 
Yeah, if this is the theory you told me before the pod, this is very interesting. It better be interesting because I'm listening now. All right. So if Alistair Clarkson was so sure on where he's going to go, he would have made his decision. North Melbourne have come out and stated he has until tomorrow to give them an answer before they look at other coaching options. North Melbourne have also come out and said if they do not get Alistair Clarkson, their number one priority for a coach is going to be Ken Hinckley. Alistair Clarkson has just come to South Australia. He says it's for a sick friend. But what if he has kicked the can down the road long enough that North Melbourne will target Ken Hinckley, vacating him from Port Adelaide and Alistair Clarkson having a role at Port Adelaide where the rumours were he originally wanted to go. And he has just pulled the biggest carpet out from underneath everybody in this situation. Do you think it's possible or do you just think I'm just talking shit? It's a very uh, elaborate plan, but who knows? I reckon we talked about Clarkson to Hinckley in the middle of the year in one of our earlier podcasts. I really thought it would be a good fit for poor Adelaide, um, especially being as he wants a team that is in the zone or closer now, or he originally said anyway. Um, I think getting Hinkley out of Port Adelaide is the number one priority, and if you need to do, I'll just call it the Ross line, um, and just show Hinkley the door and bring Clarkson straight in over the top in the same day, do it on Friday, do it tomorrow. That would make for an epic showdown. Epic, um, yeah, oh. epic finish to the to the week and epic for the showdown as well. That would blow up the footy landscape and the showdown, and God, that would be good to see. Yeah, like we're talking about a legendary coach. He's a smart guy. Like he knows he's he's the only person who has caught up with Essendon. He's probably spoke with Port Adelaide. He's spoke with North Melbourne. He knows the intricate details of the inside, and he could come up with a master plan like this. Whether I think it's actually happening, probably not. In- interesting theory, yes. Is the Port Adelaide president board smart enough to pull off something like this and savvy enough, or are they too vanilla and they'll just play by the book? I think that's where that board sits on Port Adelaide. They don't make too many jumpy options or impulsive decisions usually. Yeah, well, Rick and I were talking about this before the pod, and Rick was saying that if Hinkley does or Hinkley is coaching next year, but if he's coaching next year and he loses the first three games, then there's potential for him to get the flip. Yeah, I... But I agree. If that if that's the case, then why why don't you just get rid of him now? Just give him the boot. Realistically, can you think of the pressure that Ken Hinckley has next year? He's probably been told if you don't win the grand final, you're sacked. On top of if they don't come out firing, looking like a good side next year, he's going to get sacked before round ten. They might as well implement a caretaker coach ASAP. If like, but that's what we we were saying. Like they might as well just sack him now. Like if they don't have long term aspirations of him and they're just keeping him because. He's under contract. It's pretty, like, stupid play by Port Adelaide. I agree with that, and I don't think Ken Hankley serves any more than one year. There's a couple of things that I'm working with in that. One is his contract must be huge. I think he's on eight, 900000 a year from Port Adelaide because of all the success he had. So I think them getting out of that deal right now seems impossible on a financial standpoint. The other working theory I have is that there is another coach out there that is not Alistair Clarkson that may be out of contract or poachable at the end of next year um, that they want to go after. Whether it's a, a John Longmire or a Damien Hardwick has one more go with Richmond and tries to take them all the way with Dusty and all that. And then, bang, he comes into Port Adelaide. So I think... There is a deeper conspiracy here than just Alistair Clarkson and there is a Damien Hardwick 
that they would really like to go after. But that's really going conspiracy theory. But that's the only reason I can think of why Port's not interested. Yeah, I think the money factor is a really big one. Obviously, just probably not wanting to pay him out, especially like if you're saying if um, they haven't lined up the coach that they actually want. Yeah, well, I think if you don't want Alistair Clarkson, I think they are going for a different fish, like a, a Hardwick or there's somebody else that we don't see coming. Save your money, get get a year or whatever out of Ken Hinckley and then get your bigger fish and, and that'd be a way bigger story than Clarkson going to North or Essendon, I can tell you right now. Like the thing is, like, all the players have come out and defended Ken Hinckley saying that they like him. But if Ken Hinckley's the coach of Port Adelaide next year, it's another throwaway season. He doesn't have the skills to implement a game plan that has allowed Port Adelaide to beat top eight teams. Like keeping him is detrimental to the club. The fans want him out. His time's come to an end, like regardless of the money situation and the fact that all of us sitting here are saying, if Ken Hinckley doesn't have a rip of first 10 games, he's gone. It's like riding off another season. And like that could like make your players like Zach Butters, Giordiades, all of these players want out. I mean, yeah, we're saying that he might get the flick next year, but look at this year, we all thought that he would be, um, he'd be gone a lot earlier than he was, but he's still coaching, so. Yeah, it's all about dollars and cents at Port Adelaide. All right, back. Back to the last thing. So Craig said that he reckons North Melbourne has a better list. I think he's more likely to go to Essendon than North Melbourne because I think they have a better list. All right, so rolling on from that, there's been a lot of discussion between Craig and Rick this week, a bit of head-to-head in relation to if you'd rather coach the Bombers or North Melbourne. And Craig's all for North Melbourne and Rick's for the Bombers. So uh, they're going to nut it out and tell us why. Are we going to go just like toe-for-toe, head-for-head, like... I say a player, you say a player, and then we just like back and forth it until we, or are we just going to tell some players? Go lines. So like back, mid, ruck, forward, and then anything else you want to talk about. Okay. Oh, do you want me to open so you can have a You can open. Yeah, you can open. All right. So first of all, the three defenders I have down, which like they're they're, um, like household names, they're pretty good. So Jordan Ridley, Mason Redman, and Andy McGrath. So obviously they're all pretty good defenders. Jordan Ridley isn't really a key defender. He's more of your intercept defender. Redmond has turned into an elite rebounding defender. And Andy McGrath is a very similar role. Um, I know he's not a sexy name, but um, Lavade for Essendon, um, he only loses 34% of his one-on-ones and he's had the third most in the AFL. So he may not be a sexy name, but as an actual defender, he's putting up good numbers. Um, the same for Jordan Ridley. He only loses 28% of his one-on-ones and he's got the 20th most um, one-on-one competitions in the AFL. And Jake Kelly, who they brought in, he only loses 36% with the 23rd most in the AFL. So this year, obviously, Essen have been under the pump, but that's shown you that some of these not really huge name sexy players have actually got um, a bit of um, defensive accountability for them. Next year, if they're not under so much pressure, then obviously they're not going to be as tired. Then ball's not going to be down there constantly and they'll probably actually be better at these one-on-ones, not just exhausted from having teams just pile it on them. All right, Greg? Now, I think I'm comfortable to say North Melbourne's list is behind Essendon's in the overall scheme of things. Um, they just got better role players at Essendon. But what I do like in the back line um, of North Melbourne is Harry McKay. Not Harry McKay, God. Ben McKay, I know I'm going to cop some feedback on that. Matt Gorn. That slip of the tongue, there it is. I knew that was going to, but at least I corrected this one. Um, Ben McKay. Shout out to Hannah Goad. Okay, Ben McKay is not elite as a defenseman, but he's getting into the elite back category. 
he has been thrown around a bit this year, but I think when setting up a team, if you were Alistair Clarkson or Jack and Nick Rewalt in this case, um, I would like to have Ben McKay sitting there at fullback to take the big forwards that they have in the game. Around him, there is a few role players. There are a lot of young kids still coming through, so there's no one which is super exciting. But if I look at Essendon's uh, undersized hacks of backmen, um, I'd rather have Ben McKay sitting there in my back line and then we'll just work around him from there. Moving on to the midfield, Rick. What do you have in the midfield that you'd like to share about Essendon? So Essendon's midfield, actually, they've got a couple of really good players and then they've got some decent midfielders. Um, they're all reasonably young enough that you can build around them long term. So you got Darcy Parrish in the last two years has really come out of his shell, become quite a good player. Butchers the ball. You got Zach Merritt. 10-meter kicks and hand passes, yep. Dylan Shield. Well, he can even... Well, he finds the ball, but he doesn't even find it on the field. He finds it off field. He's horrible. Ben Hobbs is going to become a good player in a couple of years. I have only good things to say about Ben Hobbs. He may be their only decent midfielder. Nick Martin. Midfielder or forward? I don't think they know yet. Yeah, he'll be a good midfielder long term, I think. He plays more on the wing now than he actually plays forward. That's true. I do like him. Jai Caldwell is going to turn into a good player. No, he doesn't get enough of the ball. Right now, because you've got... Dylan Shield wasting space in the midfield. Right now, Dylan Shield's got a couple good years left. He's out. That opens a big spot up for these other young players. And then the last one is Archie Perkins. He's going to be another good player. Okay. That's uh, not a bad team. I have two names for you, and they actually fit in acronyms. Well, not acronyms. What's the way you put? Yeah, acronyms. I was right the first time. Go me. Okay. The first name is L-D-U. I don't even need to add anything else to that. I mean, it just you butted in on mine. What's the likelihood he's actually going to stay at North Melbourne? Very high because he is the future captain of that club and is probably close to their best player already. And that's in the space of about 12 good weeks. 37 disposals, three tackles, 11 clearances for 742 metres gained. And he also kicked a goal on the weekend. You watched that second quarter on the weekend. It was as good as Christian Petrarca or Dustin Martin of one of their best quarters they've put out in their career. Patrick Dangerfield, Fife, that quarter was as good as you get. Centre clearances alone was just insane. Like you said, though, he's played, what, he played half a good game of football and now he's a superstar. Well, he played at least three good quarters, and then in the fourth quarter they decided to put Barry on him, and Barry kept him to, I think, five disposals. So, I'd argue that Luke Davies' Uniac second quarter was better than any of those Essendon midfielders' whole games I've seen all year. What about when Zach Merritt lit it up and scored like 190 fantasy points? Yep, that was a crap game when he just handballed it around the back of Dylan Shield all the time. So the other name is Jason Horn Francis. Jason. Jason. I was about to say JHF. Jason Horn Francis or JHF. Once again, he already wants out of the club now. Doesn't matter. We're looking at the team on paper, and I'm looking at Luke Davies, Uniac, and Jason Horn Francis, and I like where my midfield is going. You throw in there Jai Simpkin, who is also a gun. He needs to be more consistent. I'd rather have him on my team than a Zach Merritt, just handballing at 10, 20 meters every time. Jai Simpkin gets the clearances. He's a star, um, and they got a few other kids coming through. Tom Power shown pedigree. Um, Will Phillips, who knows if he'll actually turn into a player. But I see enough there that I like this midfield and it's two-way potential better than I get from Essendon's midfield. Ruckman, um, well, it's Tristan Cherry versus uh, Sam Draper. He's a potato. 
um, from a fantasy point of view, but he has shown that he does one or two good things here and there. I'm not turning on him. He is a potato still, but... Yeah, fantasy-wise, I just... Yeah, I just can't get around the bloke, but... I mean, compared to Tristan Cherry, he's probably got him covered in that regard, but Cherry is uh, evolving. He got uh, cut down by injury this year, only played 24 AFL games, so he's still got a bit of work to do, but there's potential there. Uh, Rick, you want to say anything about Draper, or are you happy to just move on from that one? Yeah, no, um, Sam Draper, he is very inconsistent. If he can pull it all together, he could be a really good quality um, ruckman. Like, you've seen what he can do, tap the ball to himself, run out, Stiff arm someone, kicks a goal. Like, he has that potential. Um, you've got to remember he was also very late to football. He was a soccer player, so you've got to give him time. He's still young enough that he's got time to get to that point. But on that, someone that uh, I haven't mentioned yet because I've brought them up in this um, ruck category is Nick Cox. So he's also another young player that's going to develop. He could be uh, your second ruckman who plays on the wing. He could be your second ruckman who plays forward. He's also going to be another good player that um, develops into something special. Um, also, I just had to look up the stats, but just so you know, Zach Merritt actually has more meters gained than Luke Davis Uniac, more disposals, more kicks, more contested possessions, and more clearances. So, yep. y- your last more, points before are a bit stupid. No, nah, they're not, because Luke Davis Uniac best game is better than every one of Zach Merritt's shit game. Or what you consider a good game from Zach Merritt is actually an average game by everyone else's standards. All right, um, I'll start off with the forwards then. Um, so Peter Wright has developed into an actual legitimate forward this year. Um, we spoke about um, Bogarty and Marshall last week. Um, Peter Wright should be in that same category. He's gone from being pretty much not very good forward to actually he's kicked 50 goals this year, first player to do it since Joe Danaher. Yeah, so Peter Wright's really elevated, turned into a good forward, um, first player since Joe Danaher to kick 50 goals. Um, this year he's been a bit of a letdown, but you still have Jake Stringer at the club. Last year you've seen when he's dedicated and firing, he can be an absolute stud. Um, a new coach might get the best out of Jake Stringer. Um, he's been All-Australian a couple of times before. He has the caliber to be a 50-goal-a-year player. He just needs some bit bit better mentorship. Um, and then Harrison Jones for the young forward. So what I've seen of him, I haven't seen much of him, but he looks like he's going to be a good leading forward long term but I do have here under the missing pieces um, I think Essendon are missing a good key backman like I've brought up Lovato he's not a sexy name he fills a role but they need a big backman they still need another key forward and they need a small forward but other than that the team on paper is actually pretty good so over to you Craig for the forwards uh, forwards are just uh, two real names that I like from North Melbourne but again I'm happy to build around the key pillars I know they're a long way off yet but I like what I see um, Cameron Zerha, whilst he is still inconsistent, he is getting better. Um, he's averaging one goal, nine a game um, this season, which is elite for his position as a smallish forward. I mean, they clock him in at 190. He'd be just around that area there. And and I like what he does. He just needs to get, again, more consistent. But um, on his best day, he can win you a game. And his mate down there, which is, again, very young, Nick Larkey. Now, he's the one. He's kicked two games and he's had bags this year. And what I see from him, the potential is through the roof. He's had a six-goal game in round two. He's had another game where he had seven goals recently against Richmond. So you're putting him against the likes of Grimes and Bolter and Vloston. 
And I really like what he's done there. Five against Collingwood, who have had one of the better defense, defense, one of the better yeah, defensive groups this year. And I just see potential. He's only played uh, 24 AFL games, and he has been a late bloomer. But he's going at almost two goals a game for his career. And I think him in the forward line is is better than what I see down the road at Essendon. But I, I will admit Peter Wright's year has been better than Larky's really um, on paper. And they're roughly around the same age. Other than that, the small forwards, there's a group of them around there that can certainly kick a few goals. I like what Curtis is doing. He definitely has the potential. Thomas, when he goes down there on his best day, um, and they got a few developing tools there. Um, Charlie Combin, even Jake Edwards, if he gets a go. I think, yeah, I like what I like about North Melbourne is key their players in key positions. So a couple of good midfielders to build around. Really one key back, which is probably definitely they need another one there that's really elite. Um, and a couple of key forwards that that I think just bring more to the table than what Essendon's group of midfielders do. I mean, Essendon have won another four games with supposedly this much better list on paper. Um, I don't think really that's enough to justify being elite. I think they lack in so many areas. And I think North Melbourne, I just like the potential I see from their best players. I think they just need to get better players around them and, and they have the potential to be a good team. Yeah, you said it. They need better players around them. Essendon already have enough good players with the role players around them. You also said you've got to get those players. A note here I have is Essendon's a desirable club. Every year they get linked to big names. So Josh Dunkley tried to go there. Ollie Wines was going to go there. Bobby Hill wanted to go there, which goes to my next point, that they need to get rid of that Muppet de Ridley or whatever his name is. Yeah, he's just toxic to that club. Like the 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 limit that he pushed the Orazio Fantasia deal is just an example of it. Like he overrates his player and he underrates every player that's trying to come to the club. He just is such a bad um, list management person. Um, Essendon could be way better off if they haven't had him over the last few years. Imagine if they did bring in Dunkley Wines. We're talking about they have like a few absolute studs across their list. And then, yeah, like I said it before, but if if a coach comes in and can get Jake Stringer on the straight and narrow line, he's a 40 He's a 40-plus goal-kicking midfielder forward. Yeah, I think they have a lot of um, players that have one or two good years, but no one really pieces it together. I think their recruiting's way off, like Rick said. I agree with that. Um, But I think North Melbourne's more of a blank canvas, and I think that they are going to be a lot easier to build around because you've got too many of these expensive deals on really crap players at Essendon. And I think that's what's killing him going forward. And that's why all these players that really wanted to go to Essendon never got there is because they put all their money in um, so-so players. I don't think Essendon would have any bad contracts. What do you mean? They have Dylan Shield on like 900 grand a year. Crap. Jake Stringer's probably on about 900 grand a year. Can't stay in the park. Stringer wouldn't have got big money. Western Bulldogs pretty much gave him away. Yeah. And then he played good and got a new contract, which was on big money. Um, Peter Wright's justified his, so that's fine. But there's a few players there that are just on on just dead money, um, and I just think they have they were played above themselves last year, and I think their real list quality has shown this year. But there are a lot of names that I do like Essendon, Harrison Jones, and whatnot. I just don't like their back line, and I think their midfielders are so so. All right, Pete, you listen to all of it. Uh, what team would you rather coach? Uh, well, even before the podcast, I was all for North Melbourne's list, preferably. Um, Personally, uh, and also I was talking to a mate during the week and 
he was also inclined to agree with Craig in that uh, he'd rather North Melbourne's list as well. All right, I'm going to put it out to the people on Instagram. We'll see what we get. I could be wrong here, boys. All right, so uh, a few weeks ago, we did a kind of a ladder analysis coming into the kind of tail end of the season. Um, there's a few big games this weekend, especially Carlton v Collingwood. Carlton need to win this to keep their finals uh, finals dream alive. And the Bulldogs, who are one game behind Carlton, are having to beat Hawthorne, um, which they should beat them. So it kind of is going to come down to the Collingwood Carlton game, which is also sold out at the G this week. So it should be an absolute, uh, sorry, an absolute ripper uh, if you manage to get to the game. Um, Craig, I know Craig will be watching intently. Um, what day is it on? Uh, it's a Saturday, I think. Night. Or it, sh- it it should be a Saturday. It should be a blockbuster game. So I'll be at the showdown, so I won't be watching. Well, that's going to be that's another really blockbuster shit. game. But yeah, that's shit for you being a Collingwood fan. Um, anyway. Who do we think out of those two are going to make the A? Is it going to be Carlton or Western Bulldogs? So, if, like, I think it was three weeks ago we did it last time. I told you then, let's not even talk about stinky, stinky St. Kilda. Western Bulldogs, they're going to make the A. They're a good team. They're going to be dangerous come finals. We all know here that Bulldogs are going to be too strong for Hawthorne. So, realistically, it comes down to Ken Carlton beat Collingwood. Could happen. I don't think they will. I think Collingwood probably learn a lesson losing to Sydney after a big win streak. People say you learn more from a loss. Collingwood have going to learn a lesson. They're going to come out. They're going to be too strong for Carlton. And that's just going to keep Carlton out the finals. And I do think Western Bulldogs are going to sneak into the eight, like I said about three weeks ago. I also think that stinky, stinky St. Kilda, um, the Bulldogs just happened to come up against them at the right time. I'd rather be playing St. Kilda than Collingwood. That's not even as a Collingwood fan. St. Kilda are just really average. Um, but if I was in the finals, I would probably rather verse the Bulldogs because I think they're more beatable um, than Carlton is. I think Carlton has the ability to really break games open, but everything has to go right for them, like at the start of the year. Whereas the Bulldogs, I think their best and their worst is is somewhere pretty even. They're not the same team they were last year. Um, they're very different in multiple areas and I like the Carlton midfielders and forwards to really have a better impact but I think the Bulldogs get the spot so it won't even matter. Well the Bulldogs are 1% behind Carlton on percentage so what what are the chances that Carlton could lose and still in a tight game and still miss out on the finals by percentage? I think they're equal on wins so I don't think it would matter. So it's Carlton win, the scenario was, or Carlton lose by 10 points and the Bulldogs win by 60, I think is roughly the, to get the percentage about right. Um, but the Bulldogs, I mean, Carlton could win, but I just don't really see it happening. They had their big shot last week and I think they missed it. No, it's a different amount of wins. Is it? Yeah, they're one game behind. Um, the Bulldogs are one game behind Carlton, so, um, but they're still 1% behind on uh, percentage. Yeah, which is about a 60-point makeup. So... And if Carlton get killed by 30 points and then Bulldogs win by 30, that's definitely doable. The other thing is Hawthorne is still a danger game. Like, we expect the Bulldogs to win, but Hawthorne can upset good quality clubs. Yeah, well, it's definitely going to come down to the Carlton and Collingwood game. Um, Like, Hawthorne Hawthorne beat um, Collingwood. Oh, wait, no, that was, sorry, that was West Coast, but West Coast beat Collingwood. But um, Yeah, but Hawthorne still racked up some good wins. I just remember seeing some games being like, well, I wasn't expecting Hawthorne. Well, they beat the uh, Suns two weeks ago. Brag about. Nah. 
Uh, all right. Any more on the Bulldogs v Carlton? Nah, they're just making up numbers anyway, so it doesn't really matter who finishes where. Flashback, just so you, if you don't remember, Craig, pretty sure Western Bulldogs were the last team to win the grand final from not being in the top four. Yep, there weren't as many good teams in the AFL that year. I think uh, the Crows were pretty good back then. Um, Sydney were pretty good back then in GWS, and let's look at where they are now. Sydney is still good. The other two are crap. All right, we're going to move on to the quiz. Uh, this week's quiz is themed. So uh, with all the media attention today with the all uh, sorry, the all Port players coming out, giving it, uh, the Crows players some stick, um, the quiz is going to be showdown themed. So all the questions and answers are in relation to either the current uh, coming showdown or the previous showdowns. And Rick, do not start Googling shit because uh, I can see you doing that right now. Question one, what number showdown is it this week between Rick. the Port and Crows? 52. Correct. Bonus point for if you can tell me what the head-to-head score for the showdown is uh, currently, now knowing that there's been 51 games. Craig, it is 26 to Port and 25 to Adelaide. Spot on. What a guess. You didn't even know that. You didn't even get your computer out either. I knew the answer. I just thought Craig got the opportunity for the bonus point. Oh, too bad. So sad. Uh, One all after the first question. Uh, Question two, which Port player has won five showdown medals? Rick. Robbie Gray. Correct. Question three, who kicked the game-winning goal? Craig, Stephen Motlop. I buzzed him first. Stephen Motlop. Incorrect. You let me finish. Jordan Dawson. (laughs) Shit, wrong one. Someone didn't buzz in with their name. Rick. (laughs) That's okay. Jordan Dawson. He got it. No, it's fine. Yeah, Jordan Dawson was the goal kicker uh, of the last showdown after Siren. Shout out. We will also be talking about Jordan Dawson later on, so keep listening. <laughs> Alrighty, question four. Which player currently has the most showdown goals? Rick Taylor Walker. Correct. Really? That was a and guess. A, you get one guess, Craig, for a bonus question. How many goals? And just he has played 19 showdowns and kicked X. How, how many goals? He's kicked... 48 goals. Or close, 43. Um, so no bonus point. And Robbie Gray's the next on 38 goals from 21 showdowns. He would have been my guess. Mm. Very close. Question five. Which current player has played the most showdowns? Rick. Travis Boke. Correct. Yeah. And a bonus point guess, Craig. One guess. How many games, uh, sorry, how many showdowns has he played in? He has played in, if Walker's played in 19... If you're going on what he Rick would, has just mimed you, do not go on it because he's trying to throw you. Played about 20, oh, it's got to be, what, two a year? 11-year career would be more than that. 20, played more than 11 years. 26? Or very close, 27. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know the score, but it doesn't matter because the decider question wins the quiz. And this week it is. All right, so since 2008... There has been one player traded between the two clubs. Right. Who was that player? Rick. Billy Frampton. Correct. Rick wins this week's quiz. <laughs> that takes it, it to 5-4 four four now. Craig, you've, uh, you're slipping a bit. Did you know the um, Billy Frampton answer or you just buzzed in? And you I knew guess. Billy Frampton answer. That was the one I did know, but he hasn't even played for the Crows really anyway or Port anymore. He's no, he was good at the start of the year for the Crows when they were playing him at fullback. But just while we're on the showdown topic, obviously Robbie Gray retiring, playing his last game this week. What do you think? They'll get enough uh, fans out there this week, Rick? 
Yeah, like we spoke about it last week about club legends as well. Like I said, Robbie Gray, huge club legend. Wait a minute. It settles the debate we had last week. Boke over Robbie Gray? Yeah, I did, but Robbie Gray's retired no, he first. He had so Wines he... ahead and he didn't have yeah. Robbie Gray second, or Boke in the conversation, I thought. I thought he went Billy Frampton and then Ollie Wines and then Boke Gray from memory. Shut up, Matt Gaunt. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, like I said, huge shout out to Robbie Gray, absolute club legend. Um, yeah, I had him third on the list that we spoke about. He retired first. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolute superstar player. Get Everyone should get out there, get out around his last game. Um, since we're playing the Spud Crows, Port are probably going to try feed him. If you want to get on a sneaky bet, but I think it's probably too late now because they've already dropped the odds. I think he's paying three dollars for five goals. So yeah, for five goals, he probably hasn't even kicked five goals this year. Just while we're on the topic of the showdown, um, have you boys seen that Tom Jonas, Ollie Wines, and Darcy Byrne Jones have all come out with some comments yeah, about the I mean, Crows? I- Obviously, being a Crows fan personally, I, I think it's good that the banter's there. I just hope that uh, we get some sort of response from the Crowies and they give them some stick back. But I, I like it. Good banter to get the to get the game roaring on the weekend. Yeah, I really hope it's like um, we talked about it off air, but um, hopefully Ed Langdon set a good precedent where players aren't afraid to come out and have a bit of banter now. Uh, same thing. I really, even though I go for Port, really hope if one of them gets the ball really early in the game, I hope like what happened um, to Ed Langdon, like, your boys just pile up on him, get rough, get physical, get the game really exciting. It doesn't mean much ladder-wise anymore because Port won last week, but it was going to be good for entertainment. the principle of it being a showdown as well. I hope that the players actually get in amongst it, get some biff, and yeah, like Robbie's last game as well, so it should be good. We've been a bit slow on the social media this week, but we do have some listener questions. Um... The first question we have is not actually football related. It's in relation to our Belgium listener. But one of the questions was, is the Belgium listener actually in Belgium or do they just have a VPN from Belgium? Would their VPN just reroute through Belgium every time though? Or would it be different? You can set VPNs to where you want. So like you can set your VPN to Belgium. So your Netflix account would be tailored to Belgium TV. So I'm just quickly looking up. As we speak about what, oh, I was about to say, there's got to be, if they've got a VPN, there is something in Belgium that someone in Australia wants. Yeah, but what would it be? Well, we still haven't heard from the listener. So if you're the Belgium listener or you're using a VPN and you think you might be around from Belgium, hit us up on Insta because we're interested. It's getting more and more interesting every week. All right. And this is actually a Crows and Port question. Uh, which team has is going to have a better forward line in three years, Port or Crows? That is a very good question based on the fact that I'm hearing Mitch Georgiades being shopped around by Port Adelaide. Um, I like where the Crows is going. I really like Riley Tilthorpe. He was a pick two. He had a breakout first game where he nailed six goals. Hasn't obviously recreated that kind of magic yet but i see the potential for him to be really good um along with darcy fogarty he has like turned we said, last around week we debated fogarty and marshall last week so oh you could take either at this point in time but i think riley Tillthorpe factor i have ahead of mitch georgiades and rochelle in there as well and rochelle up there well i think he'll go into the midfield eventually because he's just too classy to not but yeah i think I like where the Adelaide forward line is going. Adelaide's forward line is good, but it seems a bit up and down on paper. You've got to throw Butters, you've got to throw Rosie through there to really get the real um, 
forward impact, which I don't think will happen going forward. Uh, it's it's hard to tell. I do think that Crow's forward line is going to be better in three years. Like you said, you just ratted off a few players that could be studs, and Georgiades is potentially getting shopped around. Charlie Dixon's not going to be there in three years, so it's hard to tell what our forward line structure is going to look like because for the last five years, Ken Hinckley's thought kicked the ball along to Charlie Dixon's a viable strategy. Um, so everyone else is going to have to kind of pull their fingers out. Todd Marshall could be a good player, but we spoke about last week. He's not going to be a player who's racking these big contested marks. He's a nice leading forward with an accurate kick. So what they're going to build around him, you don't know. I think Connor Rosie's time as a forward is over. He's come out and proven that he can be an absolute dominant midfielder and still bag goals, so why would you put him forward? Um, they're still trialling Zach Butters as a split role. Um He's going to be a good forward, but like you said with Rochelle, I just think he's too good to stay as a forward long-term. So yeah, Port are going to have to find small forwards and key forwards moving forward. All right, last listener question is, now this is a friend of Rick's, I believe, and I'm not sure if he's talking about our league or talking about himself in third person, but I'll let you decide. And his question is, is Ryan a better ultimate footy coach than Rick? Who did this question come from? Rick's mate's name is Ryan. So I don't know if he's talking about himself in third person or if he's talking about Ryan from our league. Is this the Sharks FC league, Ryan? Yeah, so he is talking about the ANFL, my other league that I'm in. So just for context, I have won two flags in the four years I've been in this league. The other coach who's playing him in the grand final has won one and another guy called Rob's won the other. In that time, Ryan has won three wooden spoons, <laughs> and this is the first year that he's ever made finals. So, no, Ryan is not a better fantasy coach than me. Also, it's not going to be made public, but it's a tradition that I do now, and I will be taking a nude photo with the ANFL trophy before I give it back. Um, that should definitely increase listeners this week based on... Uh, All right, here we go. If we get to... Oh, no, no, no. Let's oh, say... Shit, no, no, wait, hold on. I didn't agree to any of this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, what are you about to say? If we get to 500 followers on Instagram, I'll post the picture of the last photo I took with the trophy. I don't even, okay, I don't even you want to heard know it. what that picture is, but there you go. Uh, if the listeners out there get the followers up to 500, there's only about 125 to go. I think we're at 380, so 120 to go. So we're almost there. Um, any more listener questions you had this Rick? Uh, you had this week, Rick, or that's it? Um, yeah, we'll just go with the one. So um, I did put out a poll to everybody on Instagram today. Um, first of all, huge response numbers lately on Instagram. Big shout out to all the people that actually listen and are voting. Um, it provides us with content to actually talk about. Um, but so I put out the question of who is the greatest player of the modern era? I gave the option of four players. So Gary Ablett Jr., Lance Franklin, Adam Goods, and Dustin Martin. So, did you boys vote? And if so, who'd you vote for? Uh, I voted for Gary Ablett Jr. I think all the others have had outstanding careers and I take nothing away from them, but what Gary Ablett Jr. was able to do on a regular basis in both a really good premiership team and a really average team um, is second to none and over almost 350 games as well. Shows his longevity, longevity, longevity being tagged um, for a lot of it and still dominating games. Like some of his formation years in the Gold Coast were amazing. Um, 
probably where he played his best football. Yeah, 100% agree. I don't think there's much more to be said. I, personally, it's Gary Ablett. Yeah, so it was a toss-up for me because I did weigh up Gary Ablett Jr. versus Lance Franklin. Um, so I did some maths. And so Charlie Kernow's kicked 60 goals this year. To match Lance Franklin, you would need a player to come into the AFL and kick 60 goals for like 14 years or something. Like that's not going to probably ever happen again. So what Lance Franklin's done, absolute testament. Probably like for me, he was number two. But yeah, I did end up voting with Gary Ablett. Um, at first, I was debating Dustin Martin um, because I do feel like it goes, like if you think about like the LeBron-Michael Jordan debate, Michael Jordan's peak was better than everyone else, but he didn't have that long sustaining career. Um, like I do think the peak of Dustin Martin over those four years where yeah, he like he was just an absolute yeah, monster. Yeah. yeah, like his peak was better than Gary Ablett's peak, but Gary Ablett is the better player over a long period of time. So just to throw the numbers out there, it was a landslide. Gary Ablett won with 63%. Lance Franklin come in second. Dustin Martin. And then Adam Goods come in last. Uh, shout out photos? Yeah, I'll do that right now. Oh, well, I would have uh, Ablett. I think just because of the, the goals, I think Buddy's got to be second for me. No, he'd make no, no one will ever kick no, a thousand goals no, again. The footy's not like that anymore. I agree. It's an outstanding feat, but Matthew Lloyd kicked almost a thousand goals and I wouldn't have him in the top 50, so what What? What are we saying? That you kick a 1,000 goals and suddenly you're in no, the greatest players ever? I mean, a, oh. an outstanding star player as well. And think of it, like, realistically, his longevity has been, been pretty, pretty good. Like, that 10-year, that ten year $1 million a year deal actually didn't pan out that bad. No, like I'd say it's a successful deal for sure. He kicked 100 goals once in a year. I, I like what he's done, but I, it's not second for me. Who's second then, Dusty or Good? I think Dusty is second. I think Dusty big game player moments are huge. Like Buddy kicked thirteen in a year, thirteen in a game, and ten in a game, which are amazing feats. But to win three Norm Smith medals is is unrivaled. In a yeah, nah, that's um that takes the cake for me just because of his big game potential. Yeah, like I said with Dusty, his peak is better than everyone else. But when you're talking about all time legend, you got to take everything into account and. Lance Franklin's been that superstar player for what, like 14 years now? He's been like a household name. Dustin Martin's produced four epic years. Yeah, he's had a few injuries cut him down, but him getting the job done three times as the best player three times in grand finals, uh, I just think that's unmatched and, and that has him ahead of Lance for me. Lance comes in third. Thousand goals is a lot and I respect it very highly, but Dustin Martin, his his body of work in in that four years is is unmatched. Yeah, it was crazy. Enough. All right, Rick, who's the who are the shout outs? All right, shout out to Saji one three five one, Liam Commode, Philippa sixteen, Connor Papa, and James Potpafair. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, James, but you get a shout out. I uh, might yeah, know that person. League. He right. is indeed. He is right. coach also, of Fig Jam. To be to be fair, he's a loyal listener. He actually privately he messaged does. me he, stuff as yeah, well. So he also wanted to shout out content in this week, which we did give some. So, mm. Mm, yeah, and he's always exciting. asking when the pod episodes can be released. So, one of the loyal listeners. So, shout out to James. Also, there was a uh, listener who sent in an audio recording, so we'll just play that now as well. My name is Josh Mitsios and Jordan Dawson is the greatest crow to play for the AFL. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk.
Shout out to Josh Mitsiosis, just so people know. I actually work with this guy, top bloke. He's a legend. He doesn't even go for the Crows. He's a Collingwood supporter. But if you're out there and you want to hear your voice on the podcast, send us some audio clips and we're happy to put them in. Yeah, sounds uh, good to me. And just on James Potifer, or Potifer, however you said it, Rick, um, he just wanted me to say on the podcast that his favourite player is Dom Sheed. Um, so... Just a shout out to James. I got your favorite player on the podcast. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, up next is the All Australian team. It's going to be Craig's new segment. Are we, are we, we up, are to, that up to that already? already. Okay, this is going to require a bit of airtime. So I have not a bee in my bonnet, but I have a new little crusade that I am on. Uh, and that is that I believe every year we argue about who the best 22 players are for the All-Australian team. We argue who missed out, who made it, who was close. Should we have two Ruckman? Are there enough key forwards in there? Am I playing my forwards on the half forward, uh, my midfielders on the half forward flank? Uh, and I think I've created, well, not created a way, it's already been done, but I think I've come up with a way to fix that problem. And that is to follow the lead of the American sports who have a first team all NBA, second team all NBA, third team all NBA. They have a uh, first team all American in football, a second team all American. And I think that we need to have a second team all Australian for players like Connor Rosie, who are average, um, but just on the borderline of being good. Um, so he would get a second team All-Australian Guernsey, for example. Ollie Wines probably get another second team All-Australian. They'd be around the mark. A lot of Port players probably make the second team, not many in like the first. A, uh, kind of a week-by-week week building up the team? Uh, no, nah, we're just going straight into it. Like, I've got an All-Australian team um, on Just paper. quickly, though, is there a sixth team All-Australian so the Collingwood Ooh, list players fired. can have a bit shots of credit? Fired. Yeah. Um, just about all that Port stuff. I was just stirring up, Rick. I don't really... Yeah. I don't really think Connor Rosie would be. Is your best player? He is our best I player. Don't, I don't I'm see the problem with that. him being the best player either. Yeah, and would you be mad if our best player, who's a first year player, made the All Australian team and no Port players made it? Because I would get prepared <laughs> for that fact. And then you're going to have a lot of egg on your face. No, nah, just on that, Nick Dacos has had a stellar year, but he's not All Australian contention. Like, there's like four or five rebounding defenders that are above him. Like, but all respect, Nick Dacos, absolute stud. He's going to be a future All-Australian easily. Future All-Australian or current All-Australian? Well, I think there is potential to be a current All-Australian, but spoiler alert, he is in my second team All-Australian. So I'm going to quickly get up my team because we've um, got to beat around the bush long enough and I'm going to get my first team All-Australian. I know Rick has some players he'd like to change out. Okay, our back line, Tom Stewart. Sam Taylor, James Sicily, Bailey Dales, Stephen <coughs> May, Adam Saad. Rick, you can have your say in a minute. You quiet down over there. Hugh McCluggage on a wing, Cripps, Sam Walsh, Shia Bolton, Jeremy Cameron, Petrarca, Charlie Kerno, Hawkins, Heaney in the forward pocket, Jared Witt, which Rick is not overly happy with, <coughs> Clayton Oliver, Lockie Neal in the middle, Andrew Brayshaw, Jack Sinclair, Callum Mills, and Charlie Cameron on the bench. So, Rick, who did you want to change out of the first yeah, team all Australia? So, just for some context, Rick and Craig have been going ham, uh, hammer and tongs at this in the group chat, and it's I got about 
150 notifications in the space of like 10 minutes. So you guys have been firing about it. All right. The first change I would make is I didn't realize you had Charlie Cameron on the team. I would put him on the field and put Tom Hawkins on the bench. I think the two other two the two other key forwards is enough. And then Charlie Cameron is an elite small forward out kicking goal. So that's all pass. But you did bring up Bailey Dale. That's a bit stinky. Does he play for St. Kilda? He might. But the thing is, Jordan <laughs> Dawson deserves that spot. Number two, Hugh McCluggage, absolute good player, like really good. But I just think Marcus Bontempelli, he brings leadership. They have similar stats. Bontempelli has some stats that are better, in my opinion. So I think Bontempelli should be in the team. And the last one is, how dare you put Jared Witts in over Max Scorn? I have some facts that when we actually get into it, you're going to be no, like, I made I a bad call. the facts right now. Yeah, I've got uh, nothing more to add on that. Jordan Dawson. Um, he made the second team All-Australian, so I'm happy to interchange him. Hugh McCluggage, I'm going to leave on the wing because Bontempelli doesn't play on the wing, so I'm not going to bother putting him in the team. He can play where he actually plays, which is either a half forward or on the ball. Um, and Jared Witts, as a tap ruckman, has been elite and the best one in the AFL, but um, hit me with some Gorn stats. All right, so you said it. So your argument is completely based around Jared Witts being a better tap ruckman? Yeah, he has been the better tap ruckman this year. Do you know that he attends 27 more ruck contests than Max Gorn a game? And he wins 27 more a game, yes. No, he wins 12 hitouts more a game. Yeah, as a percentage. Okay. So if Max Gorn attended 27 more hitouts, with his 53% winning hitout rate, which is higher than Jared Witts. What's Jared Witts's? About 46 or 47. Witts has also yep. got the so, um, hitouts for the season as well. Yeah, but that's because he's attending more ruck contests. Melbourne are just introducing Luke Jackson to being a ruckman. They have to share that role. Mm-hmm. So if Max Gorn did attend more of these ruck hit outs with his 53% winning margin, which is higher, he would actually have more ruck hit outs than Jared Witts. So he's just not having the same opportunity. It's not Max Gorn's fault that Jared Witts doesn't have a backup ruckman in comparison to Melbourne wanting to give Luke Jackson game time. So for those 12 hit outs, here are the stats that you're missing out on. Max Gorn has six more disposals, six more kicks, two more inside 50s, four more effective disposals, three more marks a game, one more mark inside 50, 2.5 contested marks, two intercept marks, an extra 160 meters gained, more contested, uncontested, and intercept possessions, more clearances, more shots on goals, more score involvements, more pressure acts, more defensive pressure acts, more spoils. So offensively and defensively, he is producing more on the field than Jared Witts is. Okay. I see what you're saying. I am going to just point to one key stat, which is around hitouts to advantage. I have hitouts to advantage Jared Witts second at 38.9%, and I have Max Gorn not even in the top 10 in 2022 in hitouts to advantage. He doesn't even make 32.9%. Hitouts to advantage result in uh, scoring and goals and and clearances. So, um, goal, so Gold Coast have kicked more goals than Melbourne this year. So hitouts to advantage result in more clearances. Um, so I have which that. Is, I have that stat here. He has four more hitouts to advantage per game than Max Gorn. That's correct. It says hitouts to advantage percentage. 
This is from Champion Data. Jared Witts, 38.9% of his hitouts are to the advantage of his teammate. Max Gorn doesn't make the top 10. What is the so number? His hitouts are, What's the number? It's less than 32.9. doesn't make the top 10. Champion Data only does the top 10 best players that hit outs to advantage. Max Gorn is not one of them. I want my Ruckman hitting it to my team, not to the opposition team. So I'm quite happy with Max Gorn not being the number one Ruckman because he's the number one all around the ground tall person. But he is not the number one ruckman and in the game Max Gorn's this year. Stats are obviously going to be a little bit inflated, uh, inflated as well because he hasn't had as many hitouts as Wits as well. So Wits's numbers are a little bit higher at the moment, but he's also had a higher ratio to get those stats from as well. Max Gorn is a good part-time ruckman this year because of Luke Jackson, and he can have the number one part-time ruckman spot. He can have that. The best pure ruckman in the game, as far as being a ruckman. Belongs to Jared Witts, and the best ruckman who sits behind the ball and takes all the marks can go to Max Gorn. If all I'm right. picking an All-Australian team, I want the ruckman who is going to hit it to Connor Rosie. For example, if I'm Rick and I go for Port, more often than not. So you're saying Aaron Sanderlands is the greatest AFL ruckman of all time? No, because he didn't hit a lot of his hitouts to his team. He was really tall, but the other position would shark a lot of his hitouts. Jared Witts gets his hit outs, hits it to his teammates, who then get the ball forward. So if I want a Ruckman who's been better this year as a Ruckman, Jared Witts um, is the one for me. Like I told you, the 27 extra Ruck contests a week. If Max Gorn attended the same amount, his numbers would be better and he's better all over the ground. Pete said Jared Witts is spending more time in the midfield. He should be having more clearances, more marks, more touches. He doesn't have any of that. He just stands there as a tall timber and doesn't contribute. Max Gorn he gets around the ground. He helps in defense. How can he not he contribute goals. when he's got more hitouts to advantage? He doesn't need possessions if he's hitting it to his teammates to their advantage exactly. to get the clearances. You've just defeated yourself getting, in that whole argument. You're not getting the clearances because you're hitting it out to the midfielders who are getting the clearances. Yeah, that's correct. He's not getting it because he's tapping it to his teammates more often than Gorn is. It doesn't matter about how many times he attends the ruck because it's in a percentage. And in a percentage, no matter, it doesn't matter if they both have 100 more times than not, Wits is going to hit it to his teammate's advantage who will then get the clearance, thus he needs less possessions. Just having a player who stands there and wins a few extra ruck hitouts isn't worth the rest of the isn't worth the rest of the arm well, disposals and efficiency around the ground. We'll let the, the listeners decide, but I think if you look at the facts didn't, as didn't a ruck. Did you put man, this up the, as a poll? Yeah, I did, and the listeners did What's respond. And uh, so you've got forty seven to Max Gorn and eighteen to Jared Wits. Yep, but once we've actually informed the listeners that Jared Witt's hitouts go to the advantage of his player and Max Gorn's intercept possession sitting loose off half-back while Luke Jackson rucks in the forward line, um, inflated numbers, more clearances, well done when you're not hitting the ball to your teammate. Um, we'll have another poll later in the week after yeah, people hear this. If you're and listening then we'll to this see. Uh, and you have an opinion, send us a DM and we'll shout out on the next podcast. And explain to Rick how percentages work also. You're going to move on with the All-Australian? Well, yeah, going. we're still going with that. We got sidetracked, didn't we? Shit. I was sidetracked. I was no, sitting was here good, like, all right, debate. that was a pretty good debate. Yeah, that's what I was sitting here with. Um, okay, so that means we need to look at the second team All-Australian. So in this particular case... I didn't have Max Gorn making the team. Who are we talking about? We talked about Bontempelli already. I did. I said Bontempelli doesn't play on a wing, so I'll have Mikhail. Oh, is that all we're going to say? Yeah, what else do I need nothing. to say? I'm picking a wing player. This is the whole point of having an All-Australian team and a second team, so players play in their position. So 
Hugh McGluggage plays on the wing. Now, Bailey Dale, I was quite happy with um, Jordan Dawson to interchange with Bailey Dale on paper, having uh, further been lightened by Rick during the week. Jordan Dawson's stats were better than Bailey Dale's in the same category, so... I'm happy to upgrade. Yeah, I think I think Dawson should be in there. Just so you know, the fans all agreed with me. I won every poll. Yep, the uneducated or not oh, uneducated. Don't call, the, don't call the fans ill-informed. Yeah, the ill-informed <laughs> fans that would jump straight into the Max Gorn bed were right on the Jordan Dawson one. Well done, people. Um, Marcus Bontempelli. I'd rather have him in my team than Hugh McCluggage. I'm not lying, but he doesn't play on a wing. Um, so forget about that. And uh, yeah, good job, people who voted. But now re-vote after. Um, second team All-Australian. So there's not really any debate about this. This is just how I would have it. Sam Doherty being a back pocket. Could have made the All-Australian team comfortably. Tom Barras has been all in the media for playing really good. So he could have made the All-Australian team too. Luke Ryan from Fremantle. I had Jordan Dawson, but he's in the first team now. So Bailey Dale will be on the halfback. Next to Paddy McCartan and Angus Brayshaw. Very stiff to miss out. He could have definitely made the first team. Zach Merritt makes a wing. Um, Where's all the North Melbourne players? Well, just hold on. We're getting there. Tuke Miller on the ball. Stiff again. Jack McRae on the other wing. Gets a lot of uncontested ball. Connor Rosie on the half forward. And Aaron Norton at centre half forward. Luke Parker on the other half forward flank. Taylor Walker. Tom Lynch from Richmond, who could all be in the first team. Bailey Fritch is a small forward. Um, Max Gorn I had as the ruck of the second team. He doesn't deserve to be a bench player in the first team. He can ruck the second team. Rory Laird, outstanding year on the ball. And Luke Davies, Uniac, would go on the ball next to Rory Laird. So in a head-to-head midfield battle, you got Cripps, Oliver Neal, Tuke Miller, Roy Laird, Luke Davies, Uniac. That would be really fun to watch. Yeah, and then we got on the bench. Jaden Short had a good year. I didn't know whether to put him half back or in the middle, so I put him on the bench. Jack Crisp, another one, had a great year on the ball. Uh, Sean Darcy from Fremantle has been the third best ruckman. Um, is worthy of a mention, and we mentioned him earlier. Nick Dacos sneaks into the second team All Australian on the bench. Who were the other? Who were the flankers that made the second team? Flankers that made the second team, half or forward. Back. Back was Jordan or Bailey Dale and Angus Brayshaw. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it's pretty stiff for Nick Dacos not to get on, but they're still two elite players. Nah, I thought that he's had a good year, but um, yeah, Bailey Dale and Angus and, Brayshaw. Yeah, are, there'll be in plenty more all Australian teams anyway. I'd love to see those two teams uh, match up. Well, I think it would be quite fun. So we'll post them online as well um, for you to have a look at and critique. Send your critiques my way. Imagine the second team Ruckman being the better Ruckman, though. Rick, Rick, just can't, Rick can't let it go, can he? He just can't let Gorn go. I think we've said enough to the people. I, I think Craig's just didn't want to put him in the first team in case he said Matt Gorn again. <laughs> uh, he didn't want two slip-ups. I said Matt's Gorn like three times yeah, during nah. this debate. So, yeah, the slip-up, it was there. I acknowledge I had it. Matt Gorn would be an awesome name too if his parents still have like a, <laughs> another child and they want to name him Matt, then um, good on him. I reckon that about ends the second team All-Australian. So... With a bit of feedback, we'll get into it again what next the, week. Um, um, I was just thinking when I said uh, I'd love to see these two teams match up. We talked something about an all-star game or I something talked, like that. Didn't we talk about that a few weeks ago? Or, or it was probably a couple of months ago now. It was early on. Yeah, it was. There was a potential for a head-to-head, but it was the oh, best of the right. rest. The bottom, so the best the of teams, the bottom yeah. 10 teams, um, which would feature a lot of those players. I mean, we're going to it right now. And I'm spitballing on the spot, but team players of teams that didn't make the finals, you'd have Sam Taylor, Sicily, you'd have gosh, who else is in here? Jared Wits. 
Jared Witts would be in there. You'd have Jack Sinclair in there. Actually, most of the first team players are all in the finals. Maybe Charlie Kerno, Cripps Walsh. Um, in the second team, Tom Barras, who else is in here that didn't make? Took Miller, Connor Rosie, because Port didn't make the finals, in case you didn't know. Um, came in as premiership favourites or a couple during the year, did not make the finals. So that might be news to a few people that were away in Belgium. Who else would? Aaron Norton might not make the finals, so he might be in there. Walker, Roy Laird, LDU. So there's a few names that, that would start the game. You'd have a few big names of all Australians or second team all Australians that could start that best of the rest game. With the best of the rest, would you take like similar to like the NBA do captains and pick teams? Yeah, yeah I think good. that would be the yeah. most fun concept. Yeah, because I think they could pick, you know, the best players from who's available out of the other 10 teams. So what's on a list? 44 players by 440 players that have to pick from theoretically. It's a charity game as well. Yeah. To make four, to I'd, make two I'd teams, to, to make good. forty-four. I think that would be a great game to watch. Um, pick captains and have it in that bye weekend yeah. that's about to come up. Yeah, next week would be good. Yeah, like for some of those players, it's like one extra week. You know, they get a little cash bonus yeah, or it exactly. goes to charity. Yeah. Um, I reckon you'd get a lot of players that just do it off their own back if it was for charity as well. Yeah, I think they love the chance to play with some other players. I mean, when your team had a good year or your team's dropped out but still have a lot of good players, then you're going to play with some legends still. Um, so I think, yeah, that would be a really fun concept and a way to not dilute um, the final series in any way. Right, before we move on to wrapping up the podcast, is there any breaking news you've seen that we need to talk about? Well, well we glossed over something really important here. Jack Graham is out this week. This was actually in my notes during the week and we didn't include it. The Jack Graham watch we haven't done in a while. Let's get him up. I think we should. He is out injured this week. He also has been playing relatively shit the last few weeks. So now is he going to send in a listener question making an excuse for his poor performances? That's highly likely. Um I don't think it takes away from the fact that he is a super potato. I'm pretty sure. So we haven't we haven't talked about him in the last, I'd say, two weeks, two or three weeks, and he's got 42, 62, mm. 47. So that's pretty he's, poor. I heard he's um, putting in a transfer request. He wants to get out yeah, of uh, St. Kilda. That's not a bad spot. They have about 15 ins and about 15 outs this week. So, um he could probably get a game there and he'd fit in just fine. But he is out this week. Just looking at those stats, he, the last three weeks he's got three tackles. So you minus 12 points from that. He's getting zero disposals basically. All his 10 tackles, he doesn't get any points. Like That's that's his biggest weakness. So if you are heading to your fantasy offseason, um, do not trade for him. Trade him away and see if you can get an eighth or ninth rounder for him because that's about all he's worth. I'd have him in fantasy because he averages close to 100. That's a pretty shit call by you. I would trade him for Jared Witts. If anyone's out in our league and I actually had him, I would trade that. A lot of leagues where we were a week ahead of a lot of leagues. A lot of leagues are heading into their grand final fantasy this week. We obviously had ours last week. Um, last week on the podcast, we spoke about Jake going all out for the for the win in the grand final against Ryan with Brayshaw as captain um, and doing some loopholes. Some of the loopholes didn't quite work out for Jake. Um, ended up losing by a couple hundred points or a few hundred points. So it didn't work out. But yeah, I still think if I was Jake, I wouldn't have done it different. Oh, apart from a couple of loopholes that didn't go well, um, 
you've got to go all out and go bang in the grand final. Yeah, I think uh, on grand final day, his team performed admirably. But I think the person in our league that won, Ryan, um, coach of Guns and Rosie. Yeah, well, he got 1,900 in the final, which for our league is is pretty on par. If you get 1,900, you're not generally going to be losing. Also worth noting, didn't Jake have a few outs like on the weekend? He had a few big names drop yeah, out. Yeah, lost Mitch Duncan. Chera was, was rested. Laid out. Chera laid out and he had a third one in there somewhere and he really caught the bad draw from some of his players that we thought we'd get 100 so um yeah. anything can happen in grand final yeah, week especially exactly. later in the year fantasy finals good luck um anything else before we move on to rick's reach out yeah i do actually have an extra reach out right now to ultimate football and i want to say fuck you so i played in my elimination final and i was up by eight points and it repointed me down uh nine points and i got eliminated so just for our league, just so people know. So we play with 10 players on field. So like 1,000 is a good score, every player averaging 100. I scored 1,071 and lost, which is like our league record is only 1,150. So like I've scored absolute peak end, got rescored and lost to the guy that this year went 18 and 2. He's going to absolutely destroy Ryan Roberts, who we gave a shout out to tonight in the grand final. And then he will overtake me as the only person to win three flags in our league. I know know the feeling of a recount, but at the end of the day, you can't do anything about it. And that was the actual score according to champion data. So yeah, that's it. And I mean, you can say a big F you to ultimate footy and maybe next year they just uh, won't have you in their competition. You never know. Maybe they'll take my advice and actually leave. Yeah, maybe they'll just shut up shop and uh, there wouldn't be an ultimate footy. Who knows? Who knows what uh, 2023 holds, but um, we'll be somewhere on some fantasy football forum. All right, we're almost wrapped up for the week, but uh, we'll go to the last segment. Rick, reach out. Rick, reach out! In the theme of the showdown, as we've already spoke about, I've done a reach out for the showdown this week. So I've sent a message to Ollie Wines. Ollie, I know you're not going to respond to me. I definitely know that you're going to read my message though. And what I want to see is the action that I've asked from you. So you've come out today. You spoke with the news. You said you're not going to tell them how you really feel right now. But what I want you to do is when we win the showdown and you're probably going to be the best player yourself, Robbie Gray, one of you is going to be the best. Hopefully they interview you and I want you to come out, tell the truth and absolutely blast the Crows. So I've said, Ollie, when we win the showdown, please don't hold back and roast the Crows. They deserve it. That's a solid reach out. It is a solid reach out. That wraps it up for me. It'll be a good game. The showdown will all be there. I'm looking forward. I hope it's a, I hope they get a lot of crowd for Robbie. Um, I'm hoping for at least 40, 45,000. I think that'd be nice. And beer in cans would also be nice. When is that happening? Well, yeah, I don't know, actually. Surely, if it's if it hasn't happened now, it's not happening this year. What do you mean? In a showdown, beer and cans would be epic. Robbie Gray, commemorative West End cans. Like, well, they just got the Jim Beam We just got on the Jim Beam. Oh, Sorry. Jim Beam did cans. You see the, did you see the Jim Beam design? I did like that. It actually, it looks all right, oh. apart from it being Jim Beam. What's wrong with Port, like, getting shit alcohol sponsors <laughs> on? <laughs> yeah, Jim, Jim Beam, Pirate Life, what are they doing? Yeah, Pirate Life's all right, though. I don't Love nah. the Pirate Life beer. Too fruity. Yeah, there yeah, is but a it's bit still all right. It's too not too diverse. Bad. There's overcrafting, if that's a thing. All right, last thing. Big shout out to ourselves for 10 episodes. Wubba Lubba Dub Dub, Rick, Creed and Pat, Rick, Craig and Pete, 100 episodes. Here's a question. When are we 
wrapping up shop for the season. Are we going to push through? I think we should have a break over the Christmas period. I think we will push through because after we've still got four weeks of finals, so we're about to find enough content then. Yeah, four weeks of final, then the trade period. Um, then the trade period and the draft. I know we are planning on going team by team list analysis um, over the coming weeks post season. I mean, we might even start next week with the teams that didn't uh, make the top eight and start going through. Oh gosh, what can we look at? Who's the players to keep? Players to trade? Um, where they improved, where they could improve. I don't know, some things like that. So if you go for any of these teams down the bottom of the ladder, so your West Coast North, um, we'll start looking at uh, analysing um, where they went wrong and where they can improve uh, next year. Um, and as we go through, we'll get towards the top end of teams who will obviously have less improvement to do. But we certainly have some, we still have plenty of content planned, put it that way. Don't stop listening. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We're doing it for you guys listening. Um, get around the questions, send any questions you do have. We're going to keep having content. Um, and like if if our platform keeps growing the same way it's been growing over the yeah. last few weeks, like we'll just keep doing shows. We will have time off over Christmas, obviously. Like I'm having a baby. I'll probably miss a couple what? of weeks around then. You're having so, a baby? Yeah. Is his name Matt Gorn? It's actually Jared Witts. Really? <laughs> that would be a cool baby name. <laughs> All right, that just about wraps it up for the week. So uh, if you haven't already, get along to the Instagram page. Give it a like. Reese got a lot of content up there. A lot of polls, a lot of questions. And some reels. We'll uh, get some more content out. out. Um, Make sure you give it a like, give it a follow. Uh, The listener base is growing by week. So hopefully we can continue that trend. And we're going to skull some beers at the showdown for a reel. Lock it in. Lock it in. There you go. All right, six pack on uh, Crows v Port, Rick. Done. All right, done.